Hello, listeners. It's Alan, co-host and editor of the SSG Podcast. So my audio this week is not going to sound all that great. Uh, to make a long story short, Corbin told me before we began recording that he had heard a lot of buzz from my mic. And after doing a quick recording, a uh, quick test recording, it looked to all be pretty easily fixable. And come to find out that was not the case. So the buzz that he had heard was actually rather significant, and it was bad enough that it made post work difficult. And also in my efforts to remove this buzz during post, I also accidentally uh, overwrote my original raw recording, meaning that whatever changes I had just made uh, were permanent. So I did the best I could with what I had left remaining. Uh, and the end result isn't great, but I mean, it's a little bit better than having a buzz the whole time. So anyways, now you know. So onto the show or uh, podcast, I guess. Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide podcast. Join Corbin and Alan along with guest hosts as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting, so sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the fifth installment in our Terminator movie review series. Today we are reviewing Terminator Genesis. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Terminator Genesis, well, the wait was long, as Terminator fans are accustomed to. Terminator Salvation came out in 2009, Terminator Genesis came out 2015, a whopping six years later. Not the longest one though, because it did take 12 years between Terminator 2 and 3, twice the length they had to wait for Genesis, but dang, they always leave these movies on a cliffhanger that are never resolved. That's right. Yeah, the Terminator series is every time it comes to a sequel, it takes forever. And then in the last couple movies, uh, in the last movie, they tried to make a trilogy out of it. And then that failed. And then now we're in a completely different timeline. So who knows what's going to happen? So it's been very strange for the Terminator series. But it looks like they were trying to revamp this in the blockbuster season. Yeah, I I guess it's I don't know. It's got a really weird history as to how it all kind of came about because it can't, it had some uh, legal issues, kind of like with the last one. <laughs> but I would say that these legal issues are much worse because Ooh, wow. it went from the Halkin company, which we noted went bankrupt after Salvation was released. Uh, and so to relieve the debts, another company called Pacifer was going to buy, had bought the rights. And then they sold them later that same year after they bought the, after they bought the rights. Some other people, uh, the Hanover house, they were negotiating to sell for 20 or 30 million to get the rights to make a new uh, Terminator movie called Terminator 3000, which was going to be a 3D animated movie. Uh, Pacifer said, how about a cease and desist and no deal? Um, after that, Universal considered uh, getting their hands in the Terminator se- series. Uh, apparently, there was a Terminator package given to MGM, CBS, Universal, Lionsgate, and Sony. And then out of that, Annapurna picked it up and got the rights to make two Terminator movies. 
Then Skydance came in to help produce it. So, in the end, we had three companies that helped produce the picture. It was Annapurna, Skydance, and Paramount. Now, although Annapurna did drop out not too oh. long into uh, the making of the movie. so That explains it. Yeah. So, they're... Uh, I think I think it's their executive producer Megan Ellison got a producer role or a producer hmm. credit. So, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it should be noted that Paramount and Skydance are no schlubs when it comes to successful films. Right. This is true. We we do notice that Warner Brothers is not touching this movie at all. At this point, it's safe to say Terminator is kind of the film franchise that has leprosy where you don't really want to touch it because it's kind of a big risk as to whether it will pay off or not because, and I gotta be honest, I'm surprised they greenlit a second or a follow-up to Terminator Salvation because that film underperformed at the box office. Go back and listen to our review of Salvation because it's not really just the box office that uh, sunk this film there was a ton of other money and lawsuits involved right but i gotta say i'm surprised i mean six years yeah maybe they wiped the slate clean maybe people's palates were cleansed but i don't know alan how well did this do at the box office surprisingly it did actually pretty well uh with oh, a budget of wow. 155 258 million uh, opening weekend domestically, it got forty two point three million, which is not great. And then domestically made eighty nine point eight million, which is still not great. But in the foreign markets, it really exploded with three hundred and forty two point four million. What? So you get a worldwide total of four hundred thirty two point two million to four hundred forty dollars, a uh, four hundred forty million dollars in the box office worldwide. So. If it weren't for the foreign market, this would have been a complete catastrophe. But and domestically didn't do very well either. I can understand why the budget is less than last time. By about fifty million, I mean that's not some crazy drastic budget slash. Right. But getting eighty nine million stateside is bad. That yeah. shows the studios whoa. An American audience, a film stateside, if it makes back its money, it's considered not very successful. It really has to do better stateside. That's incredible. It did so well. It did better than the last film in the foreign markets. And it even grossed a bit more worldwide mm -hmm. than Salvation. So that's, I mean, that's good. That's promising. I mean, it. we can't say it did bad at the box office. Right. Uh, now the... Uh, the companies that were tied to it probably would consider it a flop mostly because of the domestic numbers because those domestic numbers are not good but yeah. it still did make quite a bit of money uh and it released to i mean it released right in the thick of releases in the summer as well because when it came out it came out at number three and oh. would not rise at all during its theatrical run so it came out at number three uh, the week that it came out, Inside Out was number one, which had already been out for three weeks. Jurassic World was number two, which had been out for four weeks. And then right below it was Magic Mike XXL, which had just come out the same week. Wow. Um, so then week two, it dropped down to number four because Minions came out, which was in its first week. 
followed by Jurassic World, followed by Inside Out. And then week three dropped down to number six with the release of Ant-Man and, Tra- and Trainwreck. So <laughs> in terms of its placement in the box office, it didn't do so hot. And again, that is reflecting reflective in its domestic numbers. Yeah, when you mentioned it grows 20 some odd million opening weekend, that is bad, bad, bad for a Terminator film. Because yeah. the last movie was number two for the first time a Terminator film opened at number two, and it was a little over 40 million opening weekend, half of that. That's bad. And that is a sure sign this movie is going down in flames, at least in the United States. Right. Opening at number three. I got to say, what a terrible idea to release a franchise that's on its fifth installment and it came out, what, like 30 years ago? And they're putting it out July 4th weekend and thinking it even has a chance? Right. Right. I don't, like last week I thought, last week I was thinking, okay, maybe Terminator Salvation was some kind of alternative to the other movies. This week, though, I I don't really see that as much because Jurassic World is very much a uh, a moneymaker at this point. So it's already taken up the PG-13 spot at the theaters and would continue to hold steady in its placement for a few weeks. And it's already been in there for four. So when uh, at least when Terminator Genesis came out. So I don't know. I don't necessarily understand where or what the thought is for releasing it dry fourth weekend um i don't know you know they did the smart move at least by rating it pg-13 going off of last time if this would have been rated r they probably wouldn't have released it july 4th weekend and it would have done i would say worse at the box office yeah yeah, uh, it definitely would have probably done much worse because especially with these releases like Ant-Man coming out in week three and maybe even before this Inside Out and Jurassic World, two big number, two big uh, films, it couldn't have released any time around this because it would have just gone completely swamped. Yeah, so, I don't know. Well, and today, how today's box office usually works, you rarely see an R-rated film that's a big budget R-rated film, I should say, releasing in the summer months. Usually those films are kind of towards the fall of the seasonal calendar. Um, Now, I do want to remind listeners what films did release in 2015 because it was a pretty big year for film. So Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, yes, we have talked about this one. Uh, the biggest budget or the biggest box office movie of the year was, of course, the year Star Wars came back to theaters with Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. That's right. That did that got pretty high on the top grossing movies of all time. Didn't get it didn't get number one, but it got relatively close. Yeah, and also Jurassic World opened in 2015, right? And it was also crazy big at the box office and opening weekends. And if I'm the movie studios, I'm thinking if I'm looking at the year as a whole and seeing Jurassic World, this was the fourth installment and that franchise was almost just as old as Terminator. Mm-hmm. And, and it did massively better yeah. than this film. It definitely did. And... I I think that's why the studios weren't pleased with the, with the box office returns. Um, Alan mentioned Inside Out, also The Martian, The Revenant, The Hateful Eight, which 
Revenant should have been best picture of the year. Just my <laughs> opinion. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron, Room, Sicario. The last time we saw a James Bond film, he's coming back this year, but last time was in 2015 with Spectre. Oh, Furious man. 7. Alan, you might remember this uh, little film, Tomorrowland? Ah, uh, yes. I do remember that movie, and I don't remember anything about it. That was a huge flop for Disney, starring yeah. George Clooney. Oh, so much promise. Such a failure. And, of course, Fantastic. Yes. Which I've still yet to see. Should I see it? Yeah, no, it's not really <laughs> worth the time. I think I've seen it twice, maybe. I know I've seen it all the way through at least once, and it's really not it's really not worth the time. Speaking of confusing choices, director Alan Taylor. Yeah, he what? has done Thor the Dark World and pretty much exclusively <laughs> TV. Yeah. Once again, it's like a McGee choice from last time. I really don't understand when they hand the reins to a massively beloved franchise. There's so much writing on it. And then just give it to people that, I mean, Thor the Dark World, that's like one of the most hated Marvel movies. It did terrible. And right. they're like, that's our guy? Well, okay. Right. And yeah, this Thor, Thor the Dark World came out two years prior to this. So yes. I don't, I don't really know what the what the reasoning is behind grabbing Alan Taylor, other than I guess maybe a bit more creative control over the project. Perhaps I have no idea. Maybe it was a thing where, uh, because of Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, maybe they couldn't afford it or whatever. I don't really know. I have no idea what the reason yeah. would be to hire on Alan Taylor, uh, being mostly working with TV up until this point. Now, he had worked with like Game of Thrones and things like that, but again, nothing uh, that would be uh, big screen on a big screen. So, And Alan also brings up a good point. Arnold Schwarzenegger is back since Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, which came out in 2003, I think. So mm -hmm. he's been absent from the franchise for about 12 years. Technically, he was in Salvation, but that wasn't really him. Right. Um, and I got to say, the writers are weird choices also. Yeah, I don't really know how to pronounce their names. I, I'll give it, a, I'll give it <laughs> a, a hearty try. All right. Uh, Letta. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, Calvo Gritis and Patrick Lucier, I think is how you say their names. Uh, how, what else have they done? I know... Uh, Leda did, I guess, Shutter Island, Alita, uh, Alita Battle Angel, a little bit of Altered Carbon, which is a Netflix series. So my only guess is she also was a producer for Avatar. Yes, that's right. That's right. I do remember when uh, the writers did consult uh, James Cameron on this project and about like what they should do with mostly Arnold's character you know, what they should do with his character in this new movie being as old as he is. Um, so they had a few ties with James Cameron and more or less got his blessing on the project uh, with some of the ideas that are presented here. Now, Patrick Lucier, I know he has edited the first three Scream films. Okay. Halloween H2O. So technically we've reviewed his work. My Bloody Valentine. Uh, Red Eye. So he's worked a bunch with Wes Craven. Right. 
Uh, he directed some horror movies that a lot of people probably never even heard of. So the only reason, and he wrote this film and Drive Angry and Dracula 2. Okay. Anyways, I know Patrick Lussier because after Rob Zombie, and go back and listen to our Halloween reviews if you want to know more. Basically, after Rob Zombie stepped down from his Halloween duology, Patrick Lussier was was on board to produce or write and direct Halloween 3D. Right. And that never materialized. So then he was moving on to rebooting Hellraiser and that never materialized as well. So he ends up in Terminator Genesis world, I guess, in the alternate timeline. Right. And when it comes to writing this movie too, what they ended up doing is they essentially plotted out the entire timeline of all the Terminator movies that have come out up until this point. And they tried to look for, like, I guess the central point where the most pivotal moment was at. And yes. they ran with it. That was where they uh, kind of came up with the idea for this entire movie. So what they feel is uh, with Terminator Genesis, it's not really a reboot, not really a sequel. It's more of a reimagining of Terminator. And they were yeah. hoping that this would become a trilogy um, with this movie more or less being the first of the trilogy, which it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious now that never really came to fruition. Um, kind of what happened last time. This is now twice. They tried to make a trilogy and it doesn't get that far. I did also notice Danny Elfman's not back doing the score. Instead, we have Lauren Balf, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. So he has like a lot of bombastic scores. She just did Bad Boys for Life, Six Underground. Ah, He's done Lego Batman, all the Assassin's Creed games, Mm -hmm. um, Ghost in the Shell, the 2017 movie we reviewed, Geostorm, Mission Impossible Fallout, and The Florida Project? Yeah, I saw that. I saw he did The Florida Project, and I was very surprised by that. He does... From what I understand, he has worked with Han- worked with Hans Zimmer a- quite a few times in some yeah. of uh, his works, and I believe he's worked with other composers as well, but most notably Hans Zimmer. He has worked with the big boys in composing, and so it makes sense he gets the reins to this film. If you'll notice, Hans Zimmer did work on this film. He is the executive music producer. Yes. But Alan, so, okay, the movie didn't do very well at the box office and it had a lot of competition, but maybe this is one of those cases where the audience doesn't really give it the money, but the critics give it the praise. So was it critically successful? Uh, uh not, not exactly. <laughs> um, IMDb score of 6.4, which is not the lowest we've seen, but is also uh, second to lowest, if I'm not mistaken, I think. Terminator yeah. 3 still holds the lowest spot right now. Yes, it does. 6.3. Metas- yes. Metascore with a 38. Oof. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes percentage a 27 with an audience score of 53%. Cinema score with a B plus, which is interesting, and Letterboxd with a 2.3. So what I'm seeing here is critics didn't like it at all and audiences thought it was okay. Yeah, I did notice that as well, because last time audiences gave Salvation a 6.5. This is a 6.4. And uh, audiences gave Salvation 1% higher than this film on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So 
the thoughts on Genesis and salvation uh, are rather similar, it, it looks like. Yeah, and critically on Rotten Tomatoes, there's a 5% difference. They thought salvation was 5% better. Right. Um, the meta score is definitely more of a vast canyon between a 38 and a 49. Um, 38 is in the red. 40, I don't think 49 was in the red. It's more so generally mixed, getting very close to red, though. Yeah. And I got to say, I just crack up every time. Ever since Terminator Terminator 2, I think, got an A+, but after that, audiences gave every single Terminator movie, even up to the new one, a B+. Right. Every single time. Every they all think they're sport. just as good. Yeah. I guess, according to those who took the uh, questionnaire for CinemaScore, they are all roughly the same, at least the times they came out. Alan, do you remember seeing the trailers for this movie back in 2015? You know, I... I I do kind of, I only remember uh, one shot and that's the shot with Arnold saying, I'll be back. Yeah. Amelia Clark saying what? And then he jumping out of the helicopter and then oh. rocketing himself down and blasting <laughs> through the other helicopter. Oh, so, so bad. Yeah. That's the only one that I remember, only shot that I remember from all the, tr from any trailer that I've seen. So kind of <laughs> yeah yeah same here i remember seeing oh they're making a new terminator movie mm -hmm. oh what okay it looks okay it, by this point you know i knew salvation was dead yep and so i did go back and rewatch this first theatrical trailer uh well i guess first i should say the trailer didn't get me into theaters in 2015 yeah i don't know what i was doing in 2015 i wasn't watching this movie but... nope we were watching The Revenant that's right, and Mad Max. That's right. <laughs> I did get to see Mad Max in theater. That was actually both. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, I went back and looked at the first trailer. It looks okay. I saw, I wasn't impressed with what I saw. Kind of interesting. Everything has changed, but you're banking on an audience knowing what would be changed. Yeah. Because that's kind of their main selling point. I was just very underwhelmed with this trailer. I uh, didn't go see it. And yeah, that shot of Arnold, they thought that was cool of him yep. <laughs> making himself a human missile launcher. Yeah, oh, it looks stupid. Yeah, the trailer I'm I'm with you. I actually watched two trailers because when I was reading the Wikipedia article on this, I noticed that uh, the writers and the director were not too happy with trailer number two. So I watched uh, trailer one, then I watched trailer two. Trailer one is definitely the better of the two because trailer two essentially gives away the entire plot oh, oh. and gives away the little secret, um, one of the twists in the movie. So trailer, trailer two is not very good in terms of keeping it secret. Uh, other than that, in terms of it getting me in the seats, eh, uh, I don't remember being too intrigued by it um, when back in the day. And even now, it doesn't really intrigue me. It doesn't really look like that good of a trailer. Yeah, you're right. The the part with Arnold rocketing down through the helicopter is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but I did watch it on Amazon Prime because Alan mentioned it. He said, hey, I just saw this movie. I got to uh, know what you think of it. Right. And I did log it on Letterboxd. So I can tell you, I watched it Wednesday, August 10th, 2016. And at the time, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Mm, that's right. Yeah, you and I had very different opinions when we first watched this movie. I was not a fan. 
of it at all. Alan, from what I understand, viewed it from a critical lens and I viewed it from, I'm just having so much fun with this movie. Yeah. I think that was what we thought. I believe you're correct. I believe, yeah, we had, you we were viewing it in different ways. So, yes. Well, did our thoughts change on it? That's what we're about to talk about. So if you haven't seen Terminator Genesis, and if you don't want the film spoiled for you, then go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and watch the film. Come back and click play, and we'll be ready to talk about it. <sighs> okay, this might be a little bit long because this plot is uh, really muddy. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to hear how you... I'm so glad I didn't get this one to do the plot some <laughs> you, before. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. The year is 2029, and the struggle between human and machine has not changed. The original events of John Connor, played by Jason Clark, leading an attack on Skynet and sending Kyle Reese, this time played by Jai Courtney, back to 1984 to save Sarah Connor, played by Amelia Clark, this time around, play out as they had before, except for one small problem. Right before Kyle is sent back to 1984, a new Terminator grabs John, altering the timeline somewhat. Kyle is sent back to 1984 and is attacked almost immediately by a T-1000 police officer and saved by a much different looking Sarah Connor. With her is a T-800. Skynet had sent back before Kyle, or I guess not really sent back. We don't really know why the T-800 was sent back, but it becomes some plot later on that it saved her. Wouldn't you think attacked by a different um, Terminator? Anyways, uh, it had been reprogrammed and is reprised by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The three head back to a secret underground bunker where they have built, where they, meaning uh, Arnold and uh, Sarah, have built a time machine for themselves. Armed now with a CPU from a new T-800, Kyle and Sarah head forward to 2017, right before Skynet goes live. Um, the old T-800 stay be stays behind as he, is in as he was injured in a fight previously, but meets them in 2017. Except he was late, and Sarah and Kyle show up in the middle of a busy highway and are arrested. At the hospital, John Connor shows up to save them, but something is about him is off. The T-800 shows up just in time to shoot John Connor to reveal that he isn't the same John Connor as before. Skynet has turned him into a Terminator. The three escape John and hide out in another bunker, complete with many a weapon. That is, until John shows up and Sarah blows their armory safe house to smithereens. The three then escape to the Golden Gate Bridge in a school bus pursued by John and the police. The bus is flipped over and almost plunges Kyle and Sarah into the river below, but the T-800 Arnold Schwarzenegger is here to save the day, instead sending John hundreds of feet down into the water. But the police finally arrest them this time, that is, until John shows up and the three escape to their roof and fly a helicopter to Cyberdyne, the makers of Genesis, some app that can integrate with anything and everything from one's phones to one's car and military weapons. Uh, the three rig up bombs around Cyberdyne slash Skynet core, and only to then be attacked again by John. In a last ditch effort, the T-800 traps John in the time displacement field and they are both ripped to shreds. Sarah and Kyle hide out in a super secret bunker that survives the explosion after rigging the charges and setting the detonator. Luckily, the T-800 is revived and now part T-1000. The three head out on the road into a future unknown as the credits roll but are stopped midway when it shows us that Skynet may not be dead after all. Ah, <sighs> there you go. <laughs> That was a wallop, but you did a good job. Thank you. Condensing that plot, because when I was watching this movie, 
we have been steeped in Terminator lore over these past few weeks. Yes. And if you've been watching the movies along with us and listening to our reviews, you should have a pretty firm grasp on the Terminator timeline. Well, this movie throws all of that out the window and doesn't yeah. really explain how or or why. Yeah. I don't know. It essentially takes everything that came, everything that happened previously and goes, how about we just don't do this and essentially rewrite absolutely everything. Um, and again, hoping to make a trilogy out of this, but obviously that never comes to fruition. And so, yeah, it's an interesting choice to take and rewrite essentially the Terminator lore and kind of hopefully spawn something else from this. One of the best things this story does is starting us in 2029, the pivotal moment where essentially everything all began, which is kind of cool conceit that the Terminator films, the, the whole story really starts in the future. Yeah. And the future is like the starting off point, And then they go into the past, which is then you got to go linear into the past. It's, it's pretty amazing. But I would say probably the smartest thing they did is they start in 2029 and Judgment Day still happened in 1997. Right. Which wildly confused me because I'm like, wait a minute, Judgment Day was averted to 2004 and Terminator 3. Surprise, that never happened. At least not in this Terminator world. So anyways, they're in 2029 and they decide to go back. But there is that twist of this super, uh, I don't know, transcendent type Skynet being that um, isn't uh, just hooked into some brain. It seems to be hooked into maybe some Genesis cloud. I don't know. That's can, can float through time. Right. I don't want to get too off in the weeds here because I have about a thousand and one questions and theories <laughs> about this movie, but I'm trying to stick with what they do good here. And uh, I think the opening action is awesome. It's a great place to start. And then recreating the first film with the twist of the T-1000 is already in 1984. I think that's a great hook. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that they are essentially replaying uh, the events of the first one, but also giving a little bit more context in some areas. Like uh, instead of before where we wait for most of the movie in the first one until we find out the real reason as to why Kyrie's went back in the past. Now it's kind of explained to us here in the beginning. We get all the pieces lined up to what looks to be um, a retelling of the original. That is until Kyle Reese does go back in the past and meets up with uh, with Sarah Connor. So, I, I yeah, I do kind of like how much they do explain here. They kind of give us a little more context for some of these things um, that we haven't really seen in previous movies. They were explained in different areas. So I do kind of enjoy that, too, where, you know, they're, I guess setting us up and preparing us for a what would become a bait and switch where things completely change and uh what was before in the first movie is now quite different this time around something that did surprise me is the story framework takes a lot of cues from terminator the sarah connor chronicles which is the tv show that i'm currently watching i just finished season one so the big conceit of that film is they're not going into the past they're jump into the future mm -hmm. So that TV show begins in 1999, just, I believe, it's just a couple years after Terminator 2, and a Terminator comes back and says, we have to jump to 2007. 
to avert Judgment Day that way. So after the whole reprisal of Terminator 1, which they did a good job of doing those callbacks, like showing Kyle put on his Nike shoes Mm -hmm. and stealing the pants from the hobo, which I'd cracked up about. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they do a great job of eliminating the T-1000. Then Sarah says, we're going to do this jump. And he's like, no, no, we have to jump to 2017 because that's when Genesis will go online. She says, what's Genesis? And we learned that Genesis is essentially the outgrowth of Cyberdyne. If Cyberdyne never had the Terminator technology to further it along, then eventually uh, Miles Dyson's son would figure out Genesis. But surprise, they also had the help of John Connor from the future right? as well. Uh, so I'm going along with the story at this point. I like it so far. Yeah, I uh, I can't really say the same. And I think the reason why at this point in the movie is because I was beginning to remember why I felt the way I did when I originally watched uh, Terminator Genesis. Now, as I usually do, I try to go into a movie com- with a completely open mind and try to disregard any previous thoughts that I may have had on it. But this time around, knowing where the story was going to go, I was intrigued to see what my reaction would be, but I was also wary on getting into this movie because things just feel off in this movie. They don't feel nearly as, to me, nearly as genuine as the original Terminator movie did. Should we get negative already? I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have very many positives. I had to really uh, struggle to find what I thought was good in this movie. Okay, so let me lead with some of my positives for this film. Okay. So after we get done with the reprisal and they jump into 2017, and I think it's a smart topical idea to jump into today's fears of not just artificial intelligence, but the possibility of artificial super intelligence and the cloud and what that means for your privacy. These are things that were never conceived of in the original Terminator films. Um, the other thing that I really like is the role Skynet plays with bonding with John Connor and making John Connor the villain who is always supposed to have been the hero. Right. So I think they're doing something very fresh and gutsy with this film. Right. Because we said Terminator 3 was stale. Terminator 4 was Apocalypse Now meets Mad Max. And many complain that just wasn't a Terminator film. I would say they're doing their best here to really craft a fresh take on a Terminator film. Timeline be darned. That doesn't make a dang sense. Okay, we can talk about it here in a minute. Yeah. But I do like this Luciferian lie of Skynet that says, we don't want to destroy you. Basically, join us. We are the perfect sentient being. Look at John. John joined us, and he's, you know, the end-all be-all, it seems like. So why don't you join us? So I like that part of the plot. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think Arnold Schwarzenegger as a grandfather type works pretty well. And, of course, I think the ending, although it's CGI heavy, 
I like the look of this new Terminator that once John Connor's skin is gone, I think it looks like a unique, very futuristic Terminator and the ending fight, all that ending action. I was invested at that point. Yeah, I would say that this movie in a general sense has some rather good effects. Um, there are times, not all the time, but there are times like the de-aging. I, get, I don't know if it's de-aging or if they did like an entire 3D model of Arnold Schwarzenegger. When he, the 1984 version, not the older version. Right. It, it looks like it was kind of both. Um, from what I understand, there was a body double and they kind of CG'd over his face. Either way, it does look rather convincing. I thought that was pretty oh, yeah. good. And ILM did come back partly to do some of the effects on this. They had like three or four different effects companies come in to do some of, the, some of these things. So some of these effects look really good. Some of these effects don't look so good, but... In an overall sense, I would put them on a good side. In a general sense, looking at the movie as a whole, I think the effects are rather rather good. I do think one thing that I think a lot of viewers will feel like the rug is pulled out from under them is especially coming off the heels of Salvation, which took place in 2018. This film jumps ahead 11 years to 2029. And I love the world they're setting up. It feels very similar to Cameron's vision. I do actually like Jason Clark. I like him in almost everything I see him in. He's probably the saving grace of like everything. I know not everybody agrees with me on that, but I think he is able to sell like he could be the hero, but he could turn on you and be deceiving you this whole time. I think he does a good job of playing it both sides. Mm -hmm. I just remember my initial reaction when I first saw this movie a few years ago was I was really invested in and excited to see 2029 i thought the action it was all super fun and then i was like oh my gosh we're, we're time traveling again back to 1984 and they do enough unique stuff with that that i'm into it and the whole 2017 stuff feels mostly forgettable and feels very just like it's any other uh, bland run-of-the-mill action blockbuster type movie so i don't really care for i don't know the half of the second act to half of the third act, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Does this feel like back to the future two to you at all? It does a little bit to me. Absolutely. This is back to the future. What if, what if we just did that with the Terminator movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of getting, especially now that we've watched it not too long ago and reviewed those yeah. movies. Yeah. I was getting some pretty major, uh, back to the future two vibes off of this because they keep jumping around time and going through the Trump, through time like three or four times here so well and I, one of my complaints go back and listen to our review of back to the future part two i thought that plot was needlessly convoluted oh <laughs> oh, oh dear this is outrageously confusing i mean yeah and i understand that this is supposed to be part one of a part three trilogy that would ultimately explain everything to you we have just been given a piece of the puzzle but i hate when they do that because guess what sometimes projects two and three aren't going to be greenlit right and the vision is never going to come to fruition so we are left with i would say a compromised vision the writers didn't get the entire idea out on the page and on the screen oh yeah there are a lot of unanswered questions in this movie and a lot of things that are brought up that don't make any sense that maybe would have made more sense if there had been two more sequels latched onto this but yeah the fact that this is part one of what was supposed to be a trilogy that never came to fruition 
uh, leaves this movie kind of feeling as if it's like a husk of the story that the writers were planning to tell. There are a lot of things that just feel wildly incomplete in this entire story and makes the movie honestly sometimes hard to follow and sometimes like logic bouncing. It doesn't make a lot of sense some of the time. And it's it really, really hurts the movie. And I think that's one of the my one of my biggest uh criticisms is the fact that it's it's relies so heavily on its next two installments that never came out that it completely defeats the purpose of this movie. I absolutely agree. That was one of the biggest things that detracted from my enjoyment this time around watching the film was instead of just being able to just simply go along with this new adventure, I couldn't help but question how any of it was possible or making sense. And they're not going to give you any answers, really. It's really up to your imagination to, if you want to write a fan fiction and go ahead and figure it out. That's up to you. But I was consistently finding myself frustrated. And I'm like, if I'm having to think this too hard about filling in plot gaps that they're not going to give me, then they really did a poor job as far as that writing aspect goes. Right. And again, this was supposed to be a part of a trilogy. And on the Wikipedia article, they had scheduled sequels to be released in 2017 and then 2018. But of course, those were canceled. So they were going to go over like things like, okay, uh, they were going to explain why the T-800, the old Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Terminator, was sent back to save Sarah when she was a kid. They were going to explain that. They were going to give J.K. Simmons' role a much more prominent uh, part oh. of the story. Yeah. <laughs> and they were going to give Danny Dyson was going to have the same thing, uh, the son of uh, Wiles Dyson. Uh, also, they were going to focus more on John's life as now part of a machine. They were going to focus on all these different things that are, again, or they're here, they're set up. But they don't go anywhere. So, again, that really, really hurts the movie. Yeah. Can we just say J.K. Simmons has a nothing role? Yeah. I I was shocked when I was watching the opening credits and it said J.K. Simmons. I thought, what could he possibly do in this movie? Mm-hmm. And I it took me, I actually had to look it up because I really didn't put the connection together that he is young O'Brien. He is the cop that meets up with John Connor in the shootout in the store with the T-1000. Right. And then he's the crazy X-Files conspiracy theorist, but surprise, it's all true. And his character never has any kind of sufficient arc whatsoever. Yeah. No point. Yeah. The only reason why he is here is to help them get to a helicopter on the roof to escape the police station. That's pretty much all that his character builds to. What a waste. I know. Yeah, there's like a drop line where he says, I was there when the robot T thing was there and you <laughs> saved me. And that was like, that's what, where I was like, oh, wait, why in my own mind? So, yeah, they com- it's a completely useless character here, which is weird because he's a really big actor and really has no screen time. Okay. Also, Jai Courtney isn't great at emoting pretty cardboard i would say with his whole performance i would say both he and amelia clark and i would even put jason clark in the same camp although not as much but they honestly i don't think those three do a good job in this movie at all no i gotta say the same thing amelia clark 
I think she's a little better than Jay, Jay, Jai, whatever his name is. She's like, she's like a little better, but she's not really given much to do. Yeah. Here. And no one's really given anything to do here. They feel like, again, it's set up for things that were maybe would happen later, but never, of course, never do. Um, they're <laughs> really, really cardboard. Everyone here is cardboard. I feel Arnold Schwarzenegger does a really good job, but he's also given a role of a robot. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he slips back into his robotic nature pretty well, mm-hmm. and I think he ad- has adapted in some human emoting ways that I think work with some parts of the movie. This movie shockingly has purposeful comedy placed within it, which is wildly out of nowhere. It mm-hmm. seems like I'm um, specific. Probably the worst example of it that I'm thinking of is when. Um, Kyle Reese, Sarah Connor, and the Terminator are arrested, and they start playing Bad Boys. Oh, yes. The song, and then they're taking their mug shots, and she's short, and Terminator's trying to smile, and I'm like, what? What What movie did we just step into? Yep. Now, I will say, this is 100% basically a family Terminator movie. Oh, yeah. You know, they ride pretty heavy on those family themes in this one, uh, with the T the old T eight hundred being a father figure again, but this time for Sarah Connor, um, and then he also kind of becoming um, somewhat of a father figure towards Jai Courtney a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's very much a family Terminator movie. Oh oh my gosh, I couldn't believe how family this was. I thought if they maybe would have toned down the action a little bit, and the the language really wasn't bad in this movie, I could I could have seen this being a PG movie. Yeah, which is surprising for, for a Terminator movie. It it does really surprise me how this movie has gone from essentially a very much slasher horror film to a family friendly. Like I would be comfortable taking my, you know, 10, 11 year old to see this movie. Right. And that's There's really nothing offensive. Right. There really isn't. And that also kind of makes it feel more like something that's made to get money rather than something that's made because the director has something that he wants to say. It feels very much like a product and more so than it feels like a work of art. Now, I'm going to say that I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that this movie has more of an appeal to a wider audience because this is very much a, as we just mentioned, back to the future type adventure movie. Mm -hmm. And Back to the Future Part 2 is basically a cartoon. Yep. And in many ways, this movie does feel like this big, fun, over-the-top cartoon. You don't think about logic in cartoons, really, so you're not supposed to think of that here. I, The one thing that I will say very positively about the Terminator franchise is they're each almost a different genre. That's true. Yeah, they it does... It does have some genre hopping within all of its movies, which, again, is kind of nice to have. It is nice to have. I wish they had more continuity (laughs) between all of them. Um, The one thing I was going to say before we left the characters is the character backstory is atrocious for everyone. And they're all given like five seconds of nothingness, which makes it very hard for me to relate to the characters, really root for them be on their side it's just like oh sarah connor's different and she was saved 
from the Terminator 1973. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Kyle Reese was, well, he, he has a different past, an alternate past and a time crux or whatever they call it. I don't remember. There's nothing to these characters. Yeah. And there's also nothing really to the story because they take what was Terminator 1 and they go, okay, let's tweak a few things. The problem, though, is is that it's the exact same goal that we left in Terminator 3. We have to stop Skynet again, which right. is okay because that's how Terminator movies work. But it's, again, falling into Terminator 3 land where it becomes uh, more cliche and more of a mess. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Did you have a better time, at least? was? Did you find this a little more enjoyable than Terminator 3? Maybe you don't want to say that yet. Maybe we need to save that for the end. Yeah, let's wait till the end for me to answer that. Okay. Question. Okay, let's wait till the end. Yeah. So the one thing that I will say is if you are going to watch this movie and you do want maximum enjoyment from it, I would suggest not have really being watched the other two movies in a while. Yeah, yeah, that I would agree with. It, without the context of the first few movies or maybe without any context would probably help your enjoyment a bit more than with the context. Yeah, because you're going to be too busy trying to think about how this connects or what this means for the parameters of the other films. When I watched it in 2016, I hadn't seen a Terminator film in many, many years. Mm -hmm. And so I went in pretty fresh, but having I had seen the movies before, but they're all very murky knowledge of, of them. And that's where I was able to just sit down and enjoy this movie for being a unoffensive blockbuster action movie. Right. I had watched the first two movies, oh, I don't know, probably about a year and a half or so before this, I want to say, before I watched this movie. So they were somewhat fresh in my mind. Um, but that, that was also the transitional period when I went from watching more Hollywood style movies to watching more art house style movies. So yeah, my thoughts, um, my thoughts on it at the time were again, not very held in high regard for towards this movie. <laughs> the one thing that probably was something that did bug me about this movie, but eventually I got used to it. It grew on me. I think this movie looks very cheap. And I thought Terminator 3, just the just the aesthetic, just the design and look of it, it doesn't feel like it has a very high production quality or budget to you. Say what you will about Salvation. I think that movie looked great with the usage of miniatures, CGI, and practicals all overlaid together. I think they had a world they built, and that looked gritty. I was into the world of Salvation. This... Like I said in the beginning, um, even the machines they created even have a very kind of soft airbrushness to them. They feel very cartoonish, whereas Cameron's world was extremely cold and hard. I mean, skulls on the ground. These machines were just uh, very, very deadly. These machines uh, in the beginning of the film, especially, and then throughout the rest of it, everything is very smooth and very... It's not scary or going to really frighten you, I guess I'd say. Right. Yeah. The and I would say this kind of goes along with the T one thousand that we're introduced to, like literally seconds after Kyle Reese blasts into nineteen eighty four. It's a completely useless uh, thing to have in this movie. Is that T one thousand because you know they're not going to kill Kyle Reese off the bat, 
Like, there's just no way that they would do that. And so right. when we have all these action scenes with this T-1000 that keeps coming after our characters, it feels kind of weightless because, uh, again, there's just no way that they're going to kill off any characters. I think the biggest question you have to ask yourself while watching this movie is, are you going to go along with this kind of fluffy, cartoony, uh, action-y Terminator film that's really not like anything we've seen before, that's really targeted at the family? You know, father and a young, younger son could go see it. Or are you going to think of it within the context of the previous films? And yes, this film is very detached, not just in looks, but also in storytelling, very much its own thing. Are you going to appreciate that it's gutsy and do something new that they've really just haven't treaded that ground before? Or are you going to say this plot is too messy for me to enjoy? I think it really comes down to that, right. which I think is what our thoughts were back then as well when we saw this in 2016. Yeah, yeah that I think uh, it's actually kind of funny. We talk about how, how have our thoughts changed on this movie that we watched a couple of years ago. And it sounds it sounds like, at least for me, not much has really changed since I watched it back in 2016. Um, other than not liking it even more, maybe. I would say the biggest things that have changed for me watching this movie are it's. I'll, I'll save some of this for the conclusion, mm -hmm. but wearing my SSG goggles, I can see this movie has serious structural flaws in its plot, which really do detract from the enjoyment of the film for me. And also some of it is too cheesy and too kid friendly. Mm -hmm. I think that it goes a little too far and then it does go too far in some of those cliches, um, especially that whole bus scene where the bus is flipping Feels like they're ripping off maybe the Dark Knight. Yeah. Battle on the San Francisco Bridge. I already saw that in uh, Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's one line one liners here are some of the worst. I think he's had, and I usually love his one liners. Yeah. Listen to our review of Commando. Yes. Um, but they're just not really working in this movie. And it's pretty interesting how radical a tone shift this is from salvation yeah because one and two were rather serious two was a bit more playful and then salvation was rather serious as well and then this one goes way for playful um yeah we kind of had that in three we kind of had that in two but it was not necessarily as bad as it is here but i i do kind of want to talk about the story just for a little bit because i feel that there is a really serious storytelling flaw in this movie and that has to do with how it writes out the scenes that it that it gets to, because I feel after we get well, after they introduce Jason Clark uh, or John Connor as a Terminator, um, this we just goes on this rinse and repeat cycle where they escape John. Then John finds them. They escape John. Then John finds them up until the very end of the movie when they finally destroy him. And this happens like four or five times for an entire hour. And it gets to a point where for me, it honestly became boring seeing this exact same plot structure happen just over and over and over again, almost as if it was on a timer. Oh, yeah. I, I did keep checking the time, especially towards the end, yep. because this movie is roughly two hours long. Terminator films can't figure it out. 
They can't figure out how to clock the pace. And if they're going to be showing action, then that's seemingly all they're going to do. And they're never, they're not going to have character exploration. The best character exploration we've ever had was in T2 when Sarah Connor became a cold-blooded Terminator mentality, just going to murder, which uh, we talked about that, listen to our review and that. Right. This movie, I would be okay with the runtime if they were willing to spend more time trying to explain what's going on or giving some kind of poignancy yeah. to it all. Because we learned that John Connor somehow traveled back to 2014 and they're building a time machine and it's nearly built in 2017. But to what ends, we don't know. And to the entire purpose of Genesis and how it could even be self-aware. My only guess is somehow John Connor programmed that into it. I think there's a lot to be explored. Oh, yeah. In that scene. But surprise, (laughs) um, they're just going to jump right back into the action. And hopefully that will sustain you for the two hours. Don't get me wrong here. I think there's a lot of fun to be had with some of the action scenes in this movie, but it's far too repetitive. The pacing's off and there's zero character exploration or any kind of depth. They don't really play too much into the artificial super intelligence fears. Yeah, it's very to, much yeah. it's very much a cliche when it comes to it, uh Genesis. It really is. And especially talking about this cloud and like it's going to be incredible also everybody has windows phones nobody has those anymore yeah they got some kind of endorsement from from microsoft i think that was weird and it's just kind of funny because in some ways they're a little ahead of their time because they're talking about kind of like the internet of things Mm -hmm. this incredible interleaking that would really seemingly only be achievable 5g within the next 10 years and in 2017 nobody had anything like that now sure they were thinking about it and building it but there's just so much more they could have done with this but they really do wimp out and think you know what we're going to write about it in two and three we have plenty of time in a way it kind of feels like a college person writing their exam Mm -hmm. kind of the night before and you don't really have time to fill in your citations and give that depth to the paper that your professor is looking for. And instead you give a passable rinse and repeat 15 page paper. Yep. We've all been there, but I'm not saying you should do it. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's very much again, a shell of uh, what I think it was trying to become. It feels like it, this is the most surface level Terminator movie that I think that we have so far. And it, it feels incredibly shallow, incredibly shallow for, especially for the last three movies that we had. I think for me, this film saving grace is that it is doing something different than what we've seen. I at least appreciate they're trying to revamp the formula in some way. So aside from revamping the formula, to me, this seems more like a proof of concept of this is what we could make. It seems more like a sizzle reel. They would show the studio as in we've got these crazy ideas and new directions. We're going to take this franchise. And if you'll just 
take a chance on us, give us the money. We're going to make an incredible trilogy of mm -hmm. films. So I think a lot of these ideas I'm fascinated by of um, sending the Terminator back even further than 1984, which was questions we raised in the previous episodes right. is why in the world do they keep waiting so long to send Terminators back? Keep keep sending it back to 1984. Make it a Groundhog's Day scenario, right? Where it's like this nightmare they have to they can't ever extinguish. Instead, they send it back to 1973, and a young Sarah Connor is saved. I like this what if scenario, and I like the whatever the guy is. I think his name's Alex in it. The Genesis Doctor Who character. Oh yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah, I don't know what his name is, but yeah. I think he could have done a lot more in this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he would if, have in sequels. All I other things in this movie. But. Right. And I'm sure they he would have done more in sequels. But nevertheless, I am very intrigued with what they're doing here. What if Skynet figured out a way to go back to 2029 when they send the T-800 back, but they have an ace up their sleeve. Mm -hmm. They're going to send the T-800 back, but then somehow they're also going to send a T-1000 back to 73. And then they're going to take over John Connor. I love all of these ideas. And I think the action is pretty investing, at least for the beginning and end. So for me, that does help me enjoy this film a bit more. Right. Yeah. I can't, I don't know. For me, I, I don't really, I, f I feel like we're just re -re reprising the events from the first one and then just spicing it up a little bit. I feel like they honestly don't do enough to make the story more unique because they're just going back to the exact same formula that we've had for the first three movies, which they worked for at least the first two because they were at least different enough to make them unique. But now I feel like after three and now after this one again, they're kind of just keeping that same formula that the Terminator has always had. And I think at this point, I, and I, I've stated multiple times in this series, I'm not a fan of the Terminator series anymore. I kind of was in the beginning uh, when I first watched these movies, but now I'm seeing them with a more critical eye. Of, they are not something that I feel, they're not something that I enjoy. So seeing this exact same formula again, it's just honestly, I found it to be Though this is the most boring of all of them that I've watched so far. So, gotta say, uh, this one, especially there towards the last about hour or so, I was just like, how long left? And I considered <laughs> at 40 minutes, I was like, I could turn this off. Oh, I really could. Wow. And that 20 minutes was like, I could, but I decided to last it out. Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Terminator Genesis? Terminator Genesis uh, actually is worse to me than when I had originally watched it. Oh, and I wasn't. In, I, I'm also not very surprised by that either, um, because the problems with this movie honestly stem from the fact that it was supposed to be a part of a trilogy and it was written that way. It was written to be Act One of a three-act structure. The problem is. It's act one of a three act structure. There really is hardly any payoff or at least any payoff that feels satisfying in this movie. So everyone's given the short end of the staff. Everyone is so surface level because they were expecting to have to write on two more movies to explore all these things that they set up here. They have, there are some interesting ideas here that they set up, 
but they do nothing with it. And it really just stems from the fact that it was just it's just part one. So at the end of the day, no, not a recommend. And I think I'm going to have to go three out of ten. So, uh, yeah, got to say, I'm glad this is over. And I hopefully don't have to watch it again in the future, because after about the first hour, I was ooh, I was really I was really looking at that that home button on my Roku TV. And I was like, ah, uh, but I stuck through. So there you go. Those are my final thoughts. Terminator Genesis, by all accounts, shouldn't work. And it nearly doesn't. But by Jove, it does. Treading old ground and then wildly revamping it, creating an adventurous, all-audiences tone, and actually creating fresh, exciting Terminator sequences are what make this a passable entry in the franchise. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't great by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it's borderline subpar. An extravagantly convoluted timeline that would make even the most basic Terminator viewers head hurt seriously detracts from the enjoyment of this film. That is my biggest issue, along with worthless or wooden acting all around. I can see why many scorn this film, but if you view it as a wacky adventure with some solid twists and heart-pounding action, then you'll have a fun time with this movie. And the fact this is a family film doesn't make it bad. I wish the storytellers could have been more clear-cut instead of providing shady illusions of what's to come, kind of like Kyle Reese's memory. It's a shame we'll never get a sequel to this film. That could make the first part an exciting trilogy. Terminator Genesis receives 6 stars out of 10 with the mildest of recommends. Interesting. So it looks like, if I'm correct in this, it looks like we have very similar thoughts to what we had when we first watched it, but are a little more critical this time around. Yeah, we're definitely more critical, and it should be noted, I after that movie ended, I'm like, dang, I'm I'm very torn whether I should should or should not recommend this movie mm-hmm. because there's very little, I would say, that really makes this worth it. And like I said, it barely passed my recommendation. I had enough fun with this movie. I think it was enough excitement and i kind of like this is in some ways a cheesy early 2000s style blockbuster movie i don't think movies have that kind of fun very often anymore but there are a ton of problems with this movie but once again as i already said i liked some of the ideas they introduced sadly we're probably never going to get any closure on them But there was enough that I think you could sit down and have fun, but maybe watch it with your son or, I don't know, significant other. Just want to have a fun night where you don't want to, I guess I was about to say think too hard, but you may end up thinking super hard and it may ruin the movie for you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I struggled whether to recommend this, but like I said, I had enough fun with it. It's a 6 out of 10. It's very weak. It's towards the bottom of the barrel. So now that calls into question, would you rather watch Terminator 3 before this movie? Yes. Because that was the worst one for me. It is not good, and I still don't like it. But I can at least get away with some of the special effects and miniature work that they have in it. 
I can at least look at that and have some kind of enjoyment from some a couple of those scenes. Although my thoughts on it being that it is still way too over the top and too much of that over the topness, I would more I would be more pressed to go back to that than I would to this. Call me crazy, but I currently have this placed higher on my list, just one slot above than the original Terminator film. Whoa! <laughs> What's and if you're the original Terminator like a five, I think. So okay, I gave Terminator three a four. Okay, Ter- the Terminator a five, and Terminator Genesis a six. Terminator two a seven, and Terminator Salvation of an eight. Okay, so you have a so I think you have a uh, staircase there. Yeah, straight up mm-hmm. for me. And I know this is like the most crazy ranking of the Terminator franchise. Nobody would would believe this, but that's the way I see it. Yeah. Um, the one thing I think that pushed this over the edge for me, as opposed to the original Terminator film, is at, at a certain point in that Terminator film, the first one, I found myself just not caring. I got very bored towards the end, and I felt like James Cameron used up all of his goodwill. And I felt like that was more of a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Although I had storytelling issues with this one, I still enjoyed it despite it having a pretty cheesy Hallmark ending of them going to young Kyle Reese and drawing a line on his hand. Ah, yes. And telling him, remember this message, mm-hmm. Sky, Skynet is Genesis. Yeah, that's a bad ending. Yeah, even though um, it's already been destroyed, so what would be the purpose? <laughs> it's uh it's not good okay but nevertheless i'm going to give it that fun fuzzy hallmark pass i guess so i think Uh, for me if i I remember correctly i haven't exactly looked at my ratings at imdb lately but first one's a five i think it's a five a five or a six one or two two is a seven three is a four yeah i think so yeah it's a four for you. Yeah, four. Uh, Salvation is, I believe I give it a six. Five or six. And this one's a three. Mm-hmm. So set, two is still the best in my mind. But if you listen to that podcast, you might know that my thoughts on it, giving it a seven, are mostly because I think this, that movie, like pretty much every movie that we've watched so far, has good elements, uh, but I don't really care for it. And it should be surprise also to the listeners, if you've been listening to all the episodes, this is a very mediocre franchise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At best. Yeah, at best, it's a very mediocre franchise. The fact that it's uh, exploded in popularity over the years is, I think, because of James Cameron, the name James Cameron itself. Yeah, it's really just that first and second movie that cemented it in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And then we have got weird appendage, tumorous sequels that just cling to the first film yep. and try and grab you back in there. And it doesn't really work. So don't get me wrong. Don't don't hear me just praising this movie. I'm not singing this movie's praises. It's it passed by the skin of its teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and. I mean, but what what do what did I expect coming from the rest of these movies? That's you know? a, that is a good question. What what do you expect after seeing uh, three, and then in my case, 
salvation what was salvation and then coming up on this what 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 else was i expecting from a terminator franchise yeah yeah because it already started off not good for me mm-hmm. and then t2 was like oh yeah that's pretty good and then t3 i'm like gosh this is the bottom of the barrel t4 i think is great but i'm able to really divorce myself from salvation and honestly from the rest of the franchise because these movies are so spaced out and yeah. they're all almost independent of each other and loosely connected yeah that i was able to view it in that light but i've got one last question for you alan okay. is this a pickup or pass are you going to pick this up on home media for various reasons maybe you're a completionist I don't know. Or are you just going to pass and you would never want this in your collection, even if you own the other, even if you do own all other Terminator movies? If I had owned all the other Terminator movies, except for this one, I think I would still pass on it. I would be confused Mm. as to why I would own them all. But in this hypothetical situation, (laughs) say I do. Um, No, I think I would pass on it. I do own the first one Blu-ray, but both of those are gifts. Um, So if I had bought them myself, I'd probably be looking to sell them at this point. But this one specifically, uh, no, I'd have to pass on it. For me, I would either pick it up at Dollar Tree or very cheaply. You can get the Blu-ray. I think I saw you could get like the Steelbook for like $7 or Ooh, something. Man. Well, there you go. <laughs> but honestly, for me, it would mostly be for completionist purposes. Just to have them all and maybe pull this one out. It's a fun one off my shelf when the mood strikes me. That's going to be once in a blue moon. (laughs) But nevertheless, it's mostly completionist purposes for me. Yeah. Now, as you already mentioned, Alan, Terminator 6 was slated to come out May 2017, two years later. And then... This makes me think they're going to shoot them back to back because or simultaneously because Terminator 7 was going to come out June 2018, um, 11 months after Terminator 6. And maybe in an alternate world, they came out and they were great. We'll never know Mm -hmm. unless we reach 2029 and we can travel back in time or DeLorean comes back onto the markets for for our purchase. (laughs) But... Four years later, the timeline is truly wiped clean. Terminator, Dark Fate, Erases, Terminator 3, Terminator 4, and Terminator Genesis, which we just reviewed. And Linda Hamilton did not die of cancer as Sarah Connor. She is back. I got to say, I'm actually pretty excited to see Dark Fate. I'm actually thinking this is going to be... Don't worry about the box office. Box office hates this hates this franchise anyway. Yep. I'm thinking James Cameron is producing. Linda Hamilton is back. Could it could it get any worse? Could it? I don't know. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. I am not excited for next week. Oh, okay. I am not excited for next week. I just I'm more excited to get this series over with than I am to watch the movie. That was my honest well, thoughts. <laughs> your wish is about to be granted, Alan. I know. Just one more. At least for just, another few years or maybe another decade. We'll see. Yes. Six years from now, we'll probably be reviewing Terminator 3000 and it'll yep. happen. Who knows? And it'll be a 3D animated feature that didn't get a cease and desist letter. Yeah, that might be a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, listeners, what did you think of Terminator Genesis? Is it really that awful or can you have enough fun with it? 
where does it fall on your rankings? Because I know for some people, they view this better than Salvation, better than the third one. It's, it's actually high on their list like it is for me. Or is it at the very bottom of the barrel? Is this the pits? Can it, can it, can we go no lower? Does this franchise know no shame? Well, we want to hear from you listeners. So make sure to comment your thoughts below. Very curious to see what you all think of this film. Apparently it's the most divisive one, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it wasn't even trying to be. Oh, uh, sad, yeah. whatever. All right, Alan, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will see you next week with Terminator Dark Fate. Hey, listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. I at least appreciate they're trying to revamp the formula in some way. And I, well, shoot, what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, give me one second. Okay, yeah, I remember now. And Terminator Genesis, which we just reviewed. And Linda, Lindell, I always say her name wrong, dadgummit. Linda Hamilton did not die of cancer as Sarah Connor. Yep. She is back as the shoot cut just cut it off <laughs> just just make me sound good I'm, I'm i'm becoming delirious as the podcast goes on i got you don't worry editing will save us all <laughs>